every podcast I say I'm a youth mentor I'm actually creating my own foundation brand brand new this year for me because I have an entrepreneur mindset I want to tackle the things that people haven't tackled so for instance getting the actual premises like really going for it so I've got a local petition that I'm starting you can find it on change.org which is basically turning the old NatWest building on Acton High Street to a youth community complex uh, so I just started a great idea to have a crowdfunding campaign in my local area so go and support us we've got a page and a link for that hello everyone welcome back um i'm here again for my second episode um and yes this is this is going to be named the desire to inspire podcast um because obviously i'm creating a brand and i feel like i want a lot of stuff connected to me um and that's kind of why i named it that so my name is jerome i'm entrepreneur youth mentor you can find me at jerome b on instagram so i'm just going to go straight in um so what i've decided for this to be is something that i would come home collating thoughts and just inspiration of the day every day you learn something new and if you pay attention you could really um and if you reflect you could really learn from them um like really learn from it so for me for instance i've got a podcast called why conversations matter which is attached to a book that I'm writing in the process of just having conversations and um, I've got like a background of like uh, where it's coming from so I'm not just like writing freestyle I've got this concept of what I feel um, you know conversations doing stuff like that uh, part of it is talking to strangers and I'll go into what happened to me today but I'm going to basically read the book it's called um, Talk the Science of Conversation by Elizabeth Stoke and then I'm reading another book about communication I think in general we all need, and I'm speaking to myself as well, better communication. I think the phone has made us really bad communicators. You know, you see people in a place that's a social environment, like a restaurant, and people are on their phone. So it's, it's crazy. And people need to know this addiction and the dopamine that that phones give you. We need to be able to control it. And I feel like at this stage where I am, I control my phone. My phone don't control me. And there was, there's stages to it. You know, I don't even take my phone to my room anymore when I go to sleep I used to do that regular like now I've kind of saw kind of the effects of it and I tried to work around it but anyway today was a really good day um today I was going to work and the bus stop was closed and then I walked to the next bus stop and then obviously I was speaking to like one of the people that were there waiting as well and you know he started questioning me, like, oh, like, where are you going? You're going to work? Like, I'm I'm that guy. Like, I would speak to anybody. I feel like I like to create conversations out of nothing. Um, and it was very interesting. It was like, we had a deep conversation for, like, half the bus journey about race and uni and education. And it was just like, but I like stuff like that. I like to see if I have a topic about something and someone, like, likes it. I love to, like, even if it's a stranger, like, I never know this guy from Adam. And we have this deep conversation and I learned from him. And he learned from me, and it was so sick. Like, um, but anyway, long story short, like that is part of my book is about talking to strangers and having this conversation that you can learn from. And you might, I might never see this guy ever again in my life, but that conversation I learned from, and vice versa. Um, we were just speaking about, um, you know, like race, uh, like playing a part in society, the way people look at you, the way um, you grow up, which is which is true, you know. So, but for me. You know, as a as a young black male, um, a lot of people I've heard, and for me, you can't use this as an as an excuse for too long, right? How long can you use it as an excuse? 
oh, they're black, they're trying to hold me down, the white man's world and all that. For me, that's just nonsense. To me, if you're good, like Gary V said, you will win. Yes, there is prejudice, there is. I'm not denying that. But if you cut through the noise, eventually you're going to get where you need to get to and don't use it as an excuse. I've even had family members, right? One of my cousins say, oh yeah, the white people help the white people. And it's like, people want to help people that look like them. That's natural. If, if a black man came to me or a black boy, I would want to help them more because I see myself in them. That's not nothing bad on people. That's just how people are, how they're wired. And sometimes... Again, it's people's experiences. Some people have had bad experiences with one race and they touch everybody with that brush. That's not your fault. They have to wire that and break that through relationships with people. So I'll give you a story. This is a story time basically about this lady. I used to work with her, right? And she never liked me. Like I was cool with her. We never had no problems. Like we worked together, but we never had a conversation. And she's always like weird. Like she never really wanted to chat to me or deal with me. And she even used to like, one time I remember like she was like trying to cause problems like with the manager and going to the manager and we had to sit down and she's like, yeah, that boy. And long story short, like we became friends. Like it was mad. Like literally like she had, I'll never forget it. She had like a house she just got. She left the company. We became like cool. I think amicable. But there's a time where I was going to her house regularly and she was like an older lady than me. And I go to her house embarking and she was like, you know, the reason why I didn't like you when I met you is because the first time I had experience with a black boy, they robbed my purse. And I just, in, in my head sitting there, I think I was about 20 or 19, I just thought, I understand. Do you know what I mean? But I've always been a person where I look past behavior because she genuinely was a nice lady. So I'd never understood why she didn't like me. So some people, their experience with races, they'll put it onto you. And you have to, you know, if you get close to someone enough, they'll be vulnerable enough and be open and say, look, this is why I didn't like you or this, 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 is that. So... That's just my story and that was that was so key to kind of like understanding why people might treat you different because you're because you're different, you stand out, you're not the majority. Um so we we had that conversation, which is which is real deep. Um but anyway, back to that man, and we was talking about like young people in schools and you know generation changes and obviously that's my thing. My thing is like what impact can I make? It's not about how much make how much money can I make. It's not about climbing up a career ladder, because I'm not trying to I'm trying to work for experience and build a network and build relationships. That's my whole thing. Um, so I'm thinking long-term, long-term thinking, right? So I'm telling him this, and obviously he's agreeing, he's giving me his input about how some of the secondary um, school children relate more to someone. And we know this, we know this, and it's all about relationship. Relationship is the short word for relatable, right? You need to be relatable to somebody. Everybody needs to, going back to the race thing, see themselves somewhere. So girls hang around with girls, boys hang around with boys, black people hang around with black people. That's just a common, unique thing so we can feel connected, so we can feel loved and wanted and relatable. It just, it's a good feeling. I remember someone saying that at uni, to relate to someone, you know? So that was real good. Um, but I feel like this whole podcast is me, like I said, showing you what I do or why I do it. Like I invest a lot of my time in educating myself I'm a student first and I always want to learn like literally every day when I wake up I think what can I learn today I literally think that every day who can I learn from how can I learn it and I always never want to be above anything I never want to be too egotistical too arrogant like I really want to always be a student and I look at the school that I work in and I think yeah man these kids are going to be forever learning right because that's what you need to do when you leave school it's not just about information sometimes you can learn from experiences so 
for me, that's that's kind of my ethos. And Ryan Leslie actually made a massive quote and he was like, you're either a time investor or a time consumer. And what he means by that is, if you want to be successful, if you want to be rich and you don't have the money, you need to invest your time in relationships, invest your time in the right information, invest your time in yourself. And I feel like you don't have money to invest, but you have time to invest. And when he said that, that hit home. Because really, it's what you do with your time that can make these things over time create change in your life. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like reading books every day, um, in terms of going to networking events every day. And again, going back to that, you know, instant gratification. People want things overnight. And in reality, it'll take about five to 10 years. So you need to have patience, man. That's, that's the key factor. For me, there's two things, patience and perseverance. You know, you have to always be persistent and persistent, persistent until you get what you want. And it's going to be a struggle. That's normal, you know. And I love kind of the journey. You know, when people say that, they always say that. But I just definitely, definitely, definitely enjoy the journey. If you know, if you believe in your heart, that it's going to get, you're going to get there at some point. It's a lifestyle that gets there, right? It's not like just going to be successful overnight. It's like you have to get your mindset on point. You have to keep going. It's like, literally, I, I always use an analogy. Your brain is like a muscle. It's like your belly. You eat food and, you, you know, you get full up. You know what I mean? And that's how I look at the mind. The mind is something that through your eyes and through your ears, you need to, you know, become like a sponge. Your, your, your brain needs to absorb all this information. And then, then you've got your subconscious and stuff like that. So for me, that's what I feel like I'm doing for the long term. So I'm basically going to take you through the book that I'm reading. It's my second day reviewing the book. I got inspired. I like to do things in inspired states. So today, I just had the, you know, the thought of, you know, like actually making notes and really pinpoint exactly what I'm going to talk about um, and what I learned from it. And I feel like just, just books in general, right? The information in it is priceless because it costs £10, right? You can go and buy a meal for £10 and you accumulate and then you go to the toilet, right? But you could buy a book for £10, right? And the information and all the stuff, all these years, this is Alan Sugar's life, right? That took how many years to develop the idealist and that's why he is where he is now. So the beauty of a book, if you apply the information in it, which is the key part of it, right? Because you can consume loads of time reading the book and get inspired, but if you're not going to implement the stuff in it or be aware of the stuff in it, then it's kind of a waste of time. So you need to kind of know how to study the book and not just read the book. There's reading and then there's reading. There's two different types of reading. Um, so anyway, this is the second day of me reading What You See Is What You Get by Alan Sugar. I'm actually going to go through the notes that I've actually got in the book and exactly kind of where I am. Um, and yeah, we're going to go through it. So I've obviously was speaking about yesterday about him being in Japan, you know, talking to the manufacturers and, you know, here is the turning point of what you learned there. So I'm going to paraphrase as well. A lot of the stuff I'm reading is actually in the book itself. So <clears throat> in this part, he said what he's kind of learned from being in Japan and the way they do business and how they think. And he kind of adopted that in what he does today. And it says it is better to bite your tongue than make idle promises. <clears throat> right. Um, and respect within the Japanese community in business community is gained by actions rather than words. So this was the influence on my future ethos. So what he means by that is people need to make promises to other people and fulfill them. And I feel like that is the, that's my biggest gripe um, because I I don't want people to be like me. And I feel like this might even be the, 
gap between me even having close relationships with some people because I'm very harsh. Meaning that if I expect something in you, I feel that as well. And I put my hands up to say, yeah, not 100%, but nine times out of 10, I try my best to do what I say I'm going to do, especially with somebody else because we're building trust. So when I read that, that's what I see. And I'll tell you a little experience that I had. I was working on a project with somebody and I'm big on communication, like I'm massive on communication. And um, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm learning, right? I'm learning and growing, like I said. So through that experience, I thought to myself, if this was to happen again, how would I be able to implement this in an effective way? And I made this agreement. It's not even needed, but I wrote agreement and I'll just read it from what it says on my computer. I literally typed it on Word and it says, you know, when you meet someone in a business agreement, you need to be able to, for me, it's like a relationship with a girl. Like, you need to come out better than you came in. You need to know, what did you learn from that person and how could you get better? Because you might not talk to that person again, but you that experience you could have learned from. So it says, three-month probation period to test people over time, over three months, to see what you're both like and if you're a good fit for the future. For the so key. Right? Sometimes things can happen organically, but it's, it's something about putting things in stone and now people are aware. They're moving and the whole purpose of it is to grow and get better. It's to progress. Right? Um, and again, it's mutual. It's not just I'm just doing it for people that work with me. I'm doing it for myself too because I want to get better. Like I said, I'm not 100%. Um, so these are the terms and conditions. Turn up on time, which is so key for me, punctuality. Um, do what you say you're going to do. No broken promises. Show up to schedule meetings. If you have a meeting, show up. There's no cancelling. There's no there's no excuses. Like like I said, this is harsh. Like when I see people like him and Gary, with certain people, they're just harsh with it. But sometimes that's just what it is. Sometimes, you know, in the school and you're like, it's not like that in the real world. There's no excuses in the real world. That's kind of how I see business in some ways. It's like, you got to just do it regardless. Um, but anyway, we go down the list. When we've got um, be consistent in actions. You know, if you're going to do something, keep doing it. Uh, communicate well over this is so key over phone return calls and messages in a decent time this is so key for me because it's like if we're working together communication is a key yes people can but we're in a day and age where people are addicted to their phone so if you don't see a message I know you just didn't reply right and it's just sometimes it can just cause frustration even no one says nothing it can create underlying frustration with the person you're working with um, and always be prepared and organised you know if you're going to do something, right? Have the paperwork, have the notes, have stuff ready because one thing that's a real pet peeve for me and it just makes me, gives me anxiety is when someone's not ready and organized and prepared because then it just like makes me a bit frustrated. Um, and again, I would never tell anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do myself or something I want to work on myself. Just imagining that the, the idealistic per, perfect partnership is to work with somebody and you're on the same page all the time and it's just like you're growing and getting better every time you work together that's how it should be when you work with somebody so and then I've wrote objectives we need to know what we're working towards again what's the outcomes there's only three major outcomes which is improved communi- communication sorry overall um, enhanced um, competency level so how competent are you in getting things done um, and improving your personal responsibility. And I feel like, you know, again, going back to the learning thing, I remember when my cousin's wife was like, I had my, my second job in John Lewis and she, and I was late all the time. And, you know, I worked hard, but I was late. 
And this, and, and then obviously I was telling her this, you know, that that's the problem I was having at my job. And she said to me, like, companies care about reliability. You need to be reliable. Like, they don't care if you work hard. Like, and that stuck me for the rest of my life. And I'm using it even today. Like, how reliable can you be? Can you depend on each other? I remember listening to to a podcast about these two girls who started a gym. And she said the one thing that they liked about each other is that they can always count on each other and they're always responsible for what they've done. And that's such an ease of someone's back. You don't want to have a business with somebody where you have to worry about what they're doing. And, you know, it can create a lot of anxiety for the other person. But anyway, I created that because of the experience I had with working with somebody. So now going forward, I would love to put this in place. And if someone has a problem with it, then I actually wouldn't want to work with them. Because I'm like, even if you're not 100%, you can even fulfill these tasks. We're growing together. Let's grow. Like, just dismissing the whole thing altogether is not, is a, it was already a red flag, you know, because it's about getting better, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I kind of wrote from that. Um, so... I paraphrase another part from, the, part from the book, but it says, this mentality was not shared by many of my people I did business with outside Japan. One's word had to be their bond. And I go, going back to that, if you say you're going to do something, do it. There should be no excuse. It doesn't, if it comes out of your mouth, you need to do it. Like for me, like I said, I'm trying to be the best of what I do and being the best is owning up to your stuff, you know, responsibility, saying stuff you've done wrong, saying stuff that you've done right, you know, just work in progress that's you know that's what you need to be you need to be able to be correcting yourself getting better every time <clears throat> so another thing he says is that a handshake for me is better than a letter or a credit or a hundred page contract so for me again in my, in my head signing a contract like even what i've just done there it's not going to make it like it's going to you know do it straight away but the whole point of it is like we train people to kind of even myself so just live by what you say you're going to do. And you become better because of it. If you make promises to yourself, you become better. But nothing I don't think there's nothing worse than a broken promise. And sometimes, yeah, some things are not entirely people's fault. But we need to have the no excuses mindset and trying to work through it the best we can. So that was really important to me. So I've got a few more points to add from the book. Um, this one says, <clears throat> everyone makes stupid mistakes from time to time. And I'm gonna tell you about one of mine. So before I go into his um, lesson that he learned, I'm going to just drop a random jewel of something that I saw. So a lot of the schools I work in, they're trying to, which I, one thing I love and I agree with is that they're trying to build the self-esteem in the children. They're trying to give them the motivation to think and be great, you know, and that's what I love the most. And one of the schools I worked in, the head teacher was so on that in the morning, we're talking about assembly and yes, it's good to like put fingers up for Ofsted and all the people that are doing well academically, but give kids the self-esteem they need, man. I think that's so key. And every assembly, she would say, yeah, never give up, keep pushing, persevering. That's my life. Like motivation, inspiration is what I love. And people need it, adults need it, but children need it even more. And I was working in a classroom and this resonated with me so, so much. And this goes and ties, ties into the mistakes part that Alan Sugar was talking about, where this quote says, mistakes are proof you're trying, correcting mistakes are proof you're growing, you know, and no one's perfect. No one says you can't make mistakes, but the whole point of it is to make it so you can be better. <clears throat> so he basically talks about, you know, the cash flow was about 15 grand per week, which is kind of a lot, you know, when he was selling his um, stereos and high fi systems. 
1976. So he had like two friends called Malcolm and Dennis um, and he started to take salaries from the business. They've done really well. They were in the same line of work that he was doing and he gave them some sort of advice. Like he lived it, he told them to advertise in um, magazines and to get sales and stuff like that. But obviously making that much, I think anybody in general, if you go from poor to rich very quickly, that can do a lot of damage. And it sounds like that's what these guys uh, kind of had. The money went straight to their head, Alan says, and um, and they paid no attention whatsoever to profit or costs. <clears throat> Which a lot of people, a lot of a lot of inexperienced, I would say inexperienced amateur startup business people would do, right? And I feel like personally, personal finance could easily spill into business finance and become a massive disaster. Because again, if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's about how you see money, how you deal with money, how you look at money. And money management is a key fundamental skill for yourself, for any relationship you're in. And when you do business with somebody, it's so key of how you handle your money. So he talks about Ashley Morris, which was in his circle, his tight-knit circle, um, his, his husband of Anne's friend, which is Anne, which is his wife, Brenda, um, that perhaps he should start up. So they're basically on business with people in their uh, family circle, which is fine. And then basically it goes on to say, um, after Global had been operating for about nine months, Ashley decided to take an exotic holiday somewhere. I took the helm at the shop on Saturday. <clears throat> so he had to look through, basically what he says here, he said he had to look through some of the invoices um, to come in from the suppliers. And um, basically, <clears throat> it says here, like the simplest business principle was buying something. And he said that from the beginning to him, was buying something at a certain price and selling it at a profit. We kind of need to do that. You know, you kind of need to be able to make your profit margin, make your business run, cover your overheads. One of the biggest things someone said to me was, number one thing in business is covering your overheads. Even if you don't have profit, you've paid the subsidized cost to run the business itself. Um, and then on this page, he says, if you decide to work with a partner, this is kind of his lesson, make sure you know their inabilities. Also, do a bit of due diligence to see if all that glitter is really gold. So that's what I'm saying about this book. The beauty of the book is that this took Alan years to work and learn and grow. And you, if you apply that, if you have that in the back of your mind in terms of working with people, you can have a great business journey because you're learning of other people's experience. And the book, yes, it's long. Yes, it costs time to read, but it costs ten ninety nine. Like, just think about that. That's the best investment. So... I've changed only in the last, let's say, probably six months, let's be honest, right? I've actually changed the way I read books. And I thought, yeah, we need to read books and read this and read that. And then I just never was reading to absorb the information to apply it. I'm not, I'm being honest. And then I was listening to an audio book called Built to Last. And it said something, it was just one line, right? And it said to me, like, or it said in the book, sorry, that, um, the information in the book is pointless if you don't apply it. And that just stuck with me and it's so key. Like that is especially if you're looking at like if you're looking to achieve something someone's achieved, it makes sense to do what they've done. They've wrote the for me, they wrote the book for a reason. They're not just writing it to inspire people. They're writing it so someone can read it. Even though there's very people that will do it, they'll read it and say, Yeah man, this is inspiring. But Inspiration, that's why I'm so big on inspiration. Inspiration isn't just, yeah, I love this, man. The inspiration is like, you see it and you do it for yourself. 
There's a difference between inspiring someone and then they feel inspired than someone that actually gets inspired and puts action behind it. It's a whole nother level. So that's uh, the second part of my desire to inspire podcast. I'm going to keep reading this book and I'll let you know how I go tomorrow.